Welcome to the podcast today. As we enter into Holy Week, we're going to talk a little bit more about the meaning behind Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and how we can be blessed with a full journey through Holy Week. Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela. Welcome to Table Talk with Mike and Angela, a weekly conversation focused on helping you understand more about the Bible, faith, and what it means to live a faithful life. And now, here are your hosts, Pastors Mike Holly and Angela Martin. Well, welcome to the final episode of this Lenten portion of Table Talk with Mike and Angela, as we're focusing upon uh, the book by Walter Brueggemann, A Way Other Than Our Own. And as we come to the end of the book, it's because we are in the midst of Holy Week. You know, this is the final week of Lent. This is the uh, week in which we focus on the events leading up to the cross of Good Friday, the empty tomb of Easter Sunday. And, you know, just like every other Holy Week, it's been a blur of tasks to take care of, things to prepare for in worship. We've got services. We've got things to post. It has been, of course, a very busy week. Yes. Well, you know, Brueggemann, he doesn't talk about that, but he does talk about the struggle that we experience here in Holy Week uh, in regards to our spirituality, you know, the fight that kind of goes on uh, within us. Right. He, he begins by reminding us that uh, Lent is a time when each one of us stands between the Lord of suffering love and the ruler of this world, the, the ruler of the empire. Uh, we stand there and we're pulled in both directions. And we sense the enormous ambiguity of our life. You know, we want to do the right thing. We, we want to care. We want to be generous. Uh, and then on the other side, we're also this selfish person, right? We want what we want. We want to have it our own way. Um, and so there we are in the midst, drawn to both sides. Brueggemann cites the words of Jesus from John 12, verses 31 and 32, where he says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Well, and we've talked before about this drive to be self-centered. We've talked about this sort of gravitation towards, you know, only ourselves and our own self-interest so much during the season of Lent. And if we sound like a broken record, it's not just because of Walter Brueggemann. It's because of the human condition. It's because that's the way we are. And part of what Jesus offers us is freedom from that. And so, you know, in a sense, what what Brueggemann has done is is what Jesus expects from us, is to help us, especially in this Lenten journey, to go away from making ourselves the center of our lives, away from this sort of allegiance to the ruler of this world, away from making ourselves the most important thing, and having or understanding that Jesus is drawing us to his way, to something more, to something better. You know, there, there is this idea that Brueggemann is telling us that, you know, there is a new truth that Jesus gives to us, and that is that self-giving love is the wave of the future. Self-giving love is the normative. It is the norm 
the normal thing to do in the kingdom of God in God's future. That's literally our future. That's going to be what it is like. And so we can either ease into God's certain future by living with self-giving love and generosity now to get sort of a hang (laughs) uh, of what it feels like and what it's like. Uh, We get to the point of understanding how it can rewire us to be the kind of people that God has called us to be. We can ease into that life easier (laughs) because we have lived it now, or we can sort of be thrown around by the waves of God's future as it comes crashing in around us. Because if we don't live with self-giving love now, and that's what the future is, it's going to be a big change for for us. So we're invited to live that future now. Lent is sort of the opportunity for us to um, you know, become unwired from that self-centeredness so that we can become free to live in God's future. The choice is ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like you said, Brueggemann has, has led us on that exact journey uh, through his series of devotionals uh, to, you know, draw us away from making ourselves the center uh, of our lives. Uh, Jesus speaks about this as being in harmony with the ruler of this world. Uh, and Lent reminds us that we have to let go of and, and drift away from greed, from fear, uh, away from anxiety and brutality. Uh, here we are, you know, in the battle of being drawn away from this world and being drawn toward Jesus and his kingdom, or, or toward God's future, as you said. Lent, like most spiritual growth, is a beautiful but painful experience. Uh, some might call it sanctifying grace, you know, <laughs> in Methodist circles. Um, you know, it's that process by uh, experiencing and, and then growing and using those experiences to let God show us who we're called to be. Uh, And we have the opportunity to experience new growth like that here in the events of Holy Week. But we must experience the fullness of Holy Week. You know, it's hard to get that if you you jump from Palm Sunday to Easter. Um, And so Brueggemann reminds us that we've got to walk that daily journey with Jesus in order to fully experience the joy of Easter. Well, like Brueggemann points out, and Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it will not grow. So the church, you know, is given this opportunity to uh, live through the events of all of Holy Week in order to, as you say, you know, fully experience the joy of Easter. The more that we delve into this sacred set of seven days, the more that we can appreciate and be transformed by it. Uh, but when we jump around or when we miss certain aspects of Holy Week, you're right. I mean, we miss out or can miss out on the true transformative power and joy of Easter. I know some Methodists um, who, you know, came from other denominations. They uh, came from denominations that didn't really focus that much on Holy Week. Um, And what they have often said is that they didn't really understand what Palm Sunday and Easter were really about because it all sort of seemed to run together. All the sermons, all the worship was about Jesus dying on the cross, that by his, you know, wounds, we are healed in a sense. And so it it was almost as if... Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday were Good Friday for for those folks. And, you know, 
listen, Good Friday is vital and important for us. But we also need to understand that the power of Easter Sunday comes from Good Friday. They're separate. They are separate in in the number of days uh, or the you know significance of the days, uh, with Saturday being in between. That we'll talk about that in a moment, but also because those events are in, inextricably linked together, but also significant in their own right. And so we need to be able to, you know, really pay attention uh, to both. Uh, and so I think it is true that we cannot experience the true awesome power and joy of Easter without understanding, separate from it, connected to it, um, the betrayal and suffering of Jesus um, on the events after the Last Supper um, and through Good Friday. But the same goes for Good Friday. You know, if we focus so much on the death uh, of Jesus, and we lose out on some of these other aspects, especially with what happens on Easter Sunday, then what is it? You know, if our focus is only on Good Friday, then it's about a failure of a messianic figure and an unnecessary death. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Good Friday paired with Easter Sunday allows us to see that this is an act of self-giving love that then becomes um, a powerful powerful, transformative event on that third day. We've got to lift up all of these events so that we get a full picture of what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus went through all of this. And if we can live with Jesus throughout the fullness of Holy Week, we can open our eyes to what his life, death, and resurrection mean for us. Yeah. Well, and think about what you know we can glean from a full experience of Lent. You know, we experience the self- Giving love of Jesus, not not only on Friday, but um, on Holy Thursday as well. Oh yeah, uh, when yeah. when Jesus acts as a servant and washes the disciples' feet, um, and when you read that passage of scripture, you know you remember that the disciples are just stunned that Jesus is doing this. That. Jesus would lower himself to do this menial task that is is normally performed by a servant. But Jesus tells them, you know, if I, your your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. And Jesus tells them that that he's setting this as an example of who they are supposed to be. Um, Jesus desires that his disciples will replicate his actions. Mm. Uh, And so what that means for us, you know, replicating Christ's example means living the truth that we have come from God. We are we are not our own. We belong to God. Uh, it means living the truth that we will go to God, that our future that you've been talking about, uh, mm-hmm. it is assured. It, it means that the space between me and my neighbor is filled with a towel for washing feet, you know, that we will constantly be asking ourselves, how can I serve my neighbor. And so then it also means that, you know, as we as we travel through life uh, with our own towel and basin, uh, we will seek to practice that self-giving love of Jesus. And we will know in doing that, that uh, we are safe in our vulnerability of sharing ourselves, that we are treasured in our obedience of doing what Jesus asks us to do, 
Uh, and all of that then frees us from any anxiety that we might have over that. And that's such a powerful image that like you said that of, of going out into our lives with the towel and basin. Yeah, you know, right. so yeah, many times that, that we've done the foot washing service at uh, Monday, Thursday, mm-hmm. you know, it's always been about this intimate moment that we do together, right? Yes. But for Brueggemann to remind us that that's the kind of life we live, not only inside the church, but outside the church. Yeah. That's a powerful that reminder for our Holy Week. So let's explore that a little more. I mean, um, every now and then, have you ever heard of doom scrolling before? Um, no. <laughs> doom scrolling <laughs> is is what they, they call it when you watch a negative news story or some kind of negative video on um, social media or on YouTube, and it leads to the next negative video, uh, and yes. it keeps going from one uh, bad thing to the other, and it's just you sort of start to r- lose all hope yes. <laughs> because every story is terrible. You know, um, every now and then these these sort of linked videos will show up in my news feed on social media, uh, and they're all about people screaming at other people. You know, it's just <laughs> people are, are popping up left and right around the country uh, and they're screaming at their neighbors. I even uh, saw something that happened in um, in England over in the UK. Um, but it's just they're screaming at each other over political signs in their yard like last year or over wearing masks or not wearing masks. And, you know, it's just that people are just taking selfies or they're filming these other people and they're just screaming at, at each other. And what pains me, <laughs> what pains me to the core is that, I mean, they don't outright come and say it, but sometimes I know that these people are Christian. <laughs> I know that some of these people have got to be Christian. And these videos are not depicting the life of a disciple of Jesus. These videos are not depicting the life of somebody who goes out into the world with a towel and basin. Mm-hmm. You know, um, gosh, Jesus commanded the disciples at that Last Supper, right when he's showing them how to live that life of a servant leader, mm-hmm. he tells them, love one another just as I have loved you. So Jesus offers us a model Um, of servant leadership that was a sharp alternative to all that the disciples had known to this point, other than in the life of Jesus. Every other leader that that exists or existed at that time uh, didn't operate like this. You know, they may have been the screamers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But here is Jesus showing us a life of, of servant leadership. Jesus would not rule by power and control and might. Uh, Brueggemann reminds us that in his great act of humility and washing, he broke with all the models of humanity that are visible in our own time and place. So it's not just about the leaders back then, Mm -hmm. but even now, you know, leaders don't always act in the the pathway of Jesus, the pathway of servant leadership. And he reminds us of some of those those things that um, leaders do. I mean, leaders promote things like the rat race of Productivity, the fear for survival, the frenzy of accumulation, and the deathly sense of self-sufficiency. Well, then think about, you know, the day after Jesus shows this self-giving, servant-focused love toward his disciples, he is crucified. So you have the ultimate act of self-giving and self-sacrificing love. Um, And he even forgave the people 
that were torturing and uh, killing them. You know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Right. And he did not scream, <laughs> but he offered his body and his life up to God. And you, you continue to think about the events of that day. You know, that evening his body is removed from the cross and placed in the tomb and then the waiting of Saturday comes. And I I don't think we often give too much thought to Saturday. You know, it's just the day in between the death and, and Easter, right? right? The death and the resurrection. Uh, but Brueggemann reminds us that, that nobody knew how long Saturday would last. You know, we think about his disciples. I mean, they scattered. Uh, they're in fear for their own lives. Uh, they go and, and hide behind locked doors, right? Uh, and... Nobody knew if he, even though Jesus had told them several times what was going to be happening, uh, death had a certain uh, amount of finality to it for them. And, uh, and so nobody knew if, if Saturday would ever end. Uh, but Brueggemann describes it this way. He says, Saturday is that in-between day of stillness and doubt and despair when time stands still in lethal flatness. That describes that so well. That had to have been what the disciples felt. Lethal flatness. I mean, how, if we could step in their shoes and feel that feeling. I mean, Mm -hmm. of course, we felt lethal flatness Mm -hmm. in our own lives in some way. But, you know, that, that sort of stuckness of everything that you expected is gone. Everything that you counted on is changed. And um, what do you do in that process, in that time in between, that sort of transitional space uh, that happens? Because, you know, on the other side of Easter, we know that Saturday is the day in between, right? Yes. But, right. but for the disciples, like you're saying— even though they've been told yeah. on the third day, on the third day, on the third day. Yeah. I mean, that lethal flatness, as you said. Um, you know, in our clergy meetings, um, mm-hmm. you and, and I and Stanley have been talking a lot about what it means to live and to serve uh, and, and lead through liminal seasons. And these liminal seasons are those times of transition or waiting where something has changed, but the change is not over yet, or the change has not been instituted yet, but you know it's coming. In a sense, we're in a liminal season right now uh, because the pandemic continues, uh, but more and more people are becoming, uh, are getting their vaccines. More and more people are attending church, but we're still not where we know we're going. You know, we're not out of the woods, so to speak, but we're also not in the most dire circumstance uh, of the past pandemic or in a way current pandemic you know we we've kind of in a way been through a year long holy saturday yes we have <laughs> lethal flatness for sure for a whole year <laughs> and we're waiting for you know the easter of um the pandemic you know mm-hmm. where we can be free to um eat together shake hands hug together um, celebrate together on the same pew, yes. <laughs> not six feet apart. We're waiting for that Easter and it's not here yet, but it's coming. Uh, what, what's that thing? You know, um, Easter's coming, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> Easter's on its way. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, in a sense, we've been through a long Holy Saturday, but 
we know that Easter is is coming. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we need to remember is whatever Friday we face or whatever Saturday we're going through, mm-hmm. um, that's not the end of the story. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Brueggemann wrote this book before the pandemic. So, of course, he doesn't mention it, but he he does talk about um, other kinds of Good Friday experiences. Uh, he mentions Hurricane Katrina. Uh, he mentions 9-11. Uh, but, we, you know, we could also add some personal Good Fridays to that. Um, the day we found out we were seriously ill. Um, the day that an important relationship ends. The day we lost our job. The day we lost someone we love. Yeah, Saturday is that day where something has happened and we can't see our way out or beyond that moment, that lethal flatness. We're just kind of in that numbness. Um, and we're kind of stuck looking behind at what happened, unable to imagine or have hope for what is to come. You know, that this is our Saturday experience. But I love the way Brueggemann brings this together here. Uh, he reminds us that Jesus did not linger long on Saturday, that Jesus was not the Friday guy, as he calls him. He says Jesus is the Sunday guy. Uh, and of course, Sunday being that first day of the, the new world, you know, that first day where you can see the sunlight and the hope and the future that you have. Um, and, and for those of us who engage and and follow Christ and, and want to replicate Christ in our actions, you know, it's the first day of new life in the world. And so one thing that we can can learn from Holy Friday and Saturday and Sunday is that God remains with us during our Saturdays of waiting and wondering, uh, marked by the memory of Friday and the hope of Sunday. You know, um, one thing that that our listeners probably uh, may not be aware of um, is how some baptismal fonts um, early in the life of the church were octagonal. They're eight-sided. Mm-hmm. And you might think, well, why eight? You know, seven seems to be more biblical, right? right? Yeah. You know, Perfection. seven days of creation, yes. seventh day you rest. Well, why eight? And, and one of the reasons is, is because the early church believed that Easter Sunday was a new day or the eighth day of creation. It was the idea that, you know, this this powerful new day was upon us and it changed everything. And so, you know, there is new creation on this eighth day. Um, there is new creation. There is new possibility. There is new life on Easter. So Sunday does come. And, and you know, early Christians were baptized in the hope that, that new life is yes. certain and it's coming. Um, the thing about God is that he comes through. You know, the thing about God is that he has a way of building something out of the ashes, of creating a, a second chance, of redeeming something that was thought to be completely broken. God has this style of resurrection, of taking things that have died and either bringing them back or making them something new entirely. Just as Jesus overcame and defeated death through Christ, God can defeat the dead ends and dead moments and good Fridays of our lives. It's important to understand, though, 
that even though those things are defeated, those Good Fridays are no more, we can still carry around the memories and sometimes even the scars Mm -hmm. of our Fridays. Mm -hmm. God doesn't erase the past, but he can free us from it. Um, And I think that that's really important for what we've talked about earlier on on the podcast, that, you know, we've got to not be tied or moored to the world as it is and to the ruler of this world. Only by doing that, we can, you know, release those things and find joy and peace again because God has brought Easter again and again to us. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's not just the joy over the resurrection, you know, that speaks to us on, on this third day on Easter. Uh, all of the events of that day speak into our lives and and remind us of how we are to replicate Christ in our own lives. Uh, when we look at John's gospel, Jesus appears to Mary in the garden uh, and then to the disciples. You know, as we said earlier, the disciples have scattered. They're hidden away from the Jews behind locked doors in fear for their lives. And a Jesus appears to them and says, peace be with you. And the disciples see the wounds in Jesus' hands and side, and they know that it is Jesus, right? Their Saturday is finally over, uh, and they rejoice. And again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then Scripture says that he breathed on them. Uh, He gives them the Holy Spirit. And Brueggemann says he performed artificial respiration on his bedraggled followers. He gives them new life, right? He gives them the the surging gift of surprising life that is so unlike the lifeless charade of the empire where they've spent Saturday, right? Right. Um, That is all about violence and control and knows nothing about giving life, but Jesus breathes this new life into them and kind of gives them their marching orders. You know, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. It just is amazing how everything ties together in the end, Uh, not not only because of um, Brueggemann's excellent writing. I mean, think about that, bedraggled followers. I mean, goodness, I need to— Take lessons from him. But, uh, but in the way that God wraps everything together on that Easter Sunday and uh, throughout the season of Easter, we see things like, you know, Jesus and Peter being restored. And we see, you know, um, uh, Thomas finding his, his faith. You know, we just, in a sense, find so many things healed and restored and repaired in the Easter story. And, you know, that leads us, I think, to what Brueggemann is is reminding us about what it means to be in a world where the empire seems to be mighty, where um, the uh, the the draw towards self sufficiency and uh, and self uh, gratification is so strong, mm-hmm. when it feels like we will be you know uh, in a sense ostracized if we live according to any other law or any other kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, Brueggemann reminds us, take a risk. Let go of the world. Don't follow the ruler of the world, but allow Jesus to draw you into God's future. You know, he, see, he says, basically, take a risk. 
let's see what happens, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> live like Jesus, um, have a life uh, marked and defined uh, by self-giving love. Let's see if life is stronger than death. Let's just not believe it, but let's put it to action. Let's live the kingdom now. And my goodness, what other thing can we do after Easter Sunday? Uh, what other life can we live after Easter Sunday? But sometimes it doesn't last. It can kind of fade over time, and we get drawn back into the whirlpool. Mm-hmm. We um, become bedraggled. Bedraggled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of self-centeredness again. You know, the world sort of takes over again. And, you know, it makes me think about that word risk. I understand what he's saying, but, you know, what what does it mean about risk and, and taking a risk? I mean, really following Jesus can seem risky because of the way the world this world works. We might lose our friends or we might lose influence or stature if we really follow Jesus uh, and did the things that we've talked about during the season of Lent. But is that as risky as when God's future comes in Jesus Christ? I mean, you know, will the consequences of living for Jesus now outweigh the consequences of not doing so? And are we really supposed to worry about that? I mean, of course, the answer is no, but we probably will. So I, I really think that this, this idea of take a risk should be more of, you know, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Not just take a risk because, in a sense, even though we feel like it's risky, it's not. Um, the greater risk is not doing it. And so the question is, you know, do it or don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote in the movie Shawshank Redemption. I know that a lot of people know it and a lot of people love it, I'm sure. But it goes a little something like this. It comes down to a simple choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. Um, in a way, Brueggemann seems to paint that picture for us. You know, we either get busy with kingdom living or we get busy dying into the life of this world. Yeah. This world invites us to give in and, you know, stay put, stay on the path of dying alone with more than we need. But Jesus is inviting us into a time of his death and resurrection this Holy Week to do something completely different, to get busy living uh, and loving and serving. Um, As you mentioned, to (laughs) put down all of the stuff we think we need and want and to pick up a towel and basin Mm -hmm. and to go out into the world, Easter Sunday and beyond. Get busy living or get busy dying. Well, well, I hope and pray that you, listener, uh, have a, a continued blessed Holy Week and that the joy and peace and transformative power of Easter is on its way to you. We want to thank you for participating in Table Talk with Mike and Angela this season, uh, especially for the season of Lent as we have gone through this wonderful book with Walter Brueggemann, uh, A Way Other Than Our Own, that, by the way, Angela suggested for us. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, friends, thank you for being with us today. And again, blessed Easter. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. May God be with you. Amen.